In today's podcast, we're talking about the year 5784 on the Hebrew calendar. This will be the year to decree at the door. Join us as we open God's word and examine what God is saying for this coming Hebrew year. For more information about our ministry, go to revivaltalk.org. So we're going to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. I was looking at this this week, and I'm going to share with you because we're in that season. We're right now in what's called the 10 Days of All, and I want to share that with you and tonight. Amen? So let's look at Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1 and 2, and it'll be on the screen. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The Feast of of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feast. Now that word feast there is a really is kind of a, the way it's translated, it should be more translated, these are my appointed times. Now when I think about a feast, I think about food, I think about a banquet, I think about, but that's not what he's talking about when he talks about a feast. He's talking about an appointed time. Joseph Good, he was a Messianic Jew wrote a beautiful book. It says, like all biblical Judaism, the festivals or the feasts, in some way, they teach us about the Messiah. And if you can go to Leviticus chapter 23, it's one of the key chapters for really unlocking the entire Bible. And if you can obtain a good working knowledge of the feast, then you'll have in your possession God's blueprint for humanity. There's seven major Jewish feasts that are celebrated throughout the year. There's four in the spring, that's Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. That all comes in the week of Passover. It takes place in the month of Nisan. If you're driving a Nisan tonight, you're in the will of God. Amen. It's also called Abib, which means spring, but it's the month of Nisan. It usually comes on the 10th day of the month, and it goes for a week. And a lot of times it comes about the same time that the Christian calendar celebrates Easter. Then we come to Pentecost. You've heard a lot about Pentecost since I've been your pastor, and it's an important time, and it marks the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It comes at the end of the spring and at the beginning of summer. And then in the summer, we have what's called the three hard months of the summer. You have Tammuz, then you have Av, and the ninth of Av comes in Av. That If you Google the ninth of Av, You'll be amazed when you see how many things have happened to the Jewish people on the 9th of Av. And I could teach on that, but I won't tonight. But you come to the month of Elul. Elul means when the king is in the field. The Song of Solomon, if you ever read the Song of Solomon, that is set in the month of Elul. The king is in the field. It's when the king leaves the palace, comes down, and makes himself available to his people. He checks on the welfare of his people. That's the end of summer and we come to fall. Aren't you glad for this cool weather? You just wake up. So we come to the fall and in the fall we have Rosh Hashanah and in our Bible it would be known as the Feast of Trumpets. So if you're reading the King James or the New King James you will see the Feast of Trumpets. You have Yom Kippur or we would know it as the Day of Atonement And it comes 10 days after Rosh Hashanah. And those 10 days are known as the 10 days of all. They're the high holy days. They're times for us to to repent, times for us to fast, times for us to pray. And then we come to Sukkot or the feast 
of tabernacles. So let's talk about that tonight. So the seven feasts are celebrated in two different seasons, which correspond to the two agricultural seasons. The four spring feasts take us from the beginning to the ingathering of the barley harvest. The three fall feasts begin at the time of the ingathering of wheat and other crops. These harvest seasons depend upon rain. In Israel, there's a time of rain in the spring. It's called the former rain. And there's a rain in the fall that's called the latter rain. Now, that has spiritual implications to it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. These two rains speak prophetically of two things. Number one, they speak of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that enables the body of Christ to reap the harvest. What have we been talking about over the last number of weeks. We've been talking about a season to reap the harvest. Look at Acts 2, 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. You said, but pastor, I thought in the last days everything was going to come apart, that the, the wheels were going to come off of the, the car and everything was going to be bad. Well, that's happening right before our eyes. But he also said this. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see vision and your old men will dream dreams they speak also of the two appearances of the lord jesus christ our messiah he came the first time but he's coming back again in hosea chapter 6 verse 3 he shall come unto us as the rain as the latter and former rain unto the earth look at james chapter 5 verse 7 and 8 Therefore, pay, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, and see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Verse 8 says, You also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I put this little chorus in there because I just love this little chorus. We used to sing it years ago at Camp Meeting. Anybody remember this? I feel the rain, I feel the rain, I feel it falling down on me. I feel the rain, I feel the rain, I feel it falling down on me. Well, it's the former and the latter rain together. And I'm not talking about the weather. The Holy Ghost rain is falling down on me. And look at the second verse. The prophet Joel spoke of an end-time revival, how God's children would all prophesy, mighty deeds and wonders would perform, Every tribe and every nation would see his power in demonstration as is prophesied before the coming of the King of Kings. Wow, I feel the rain. I'm going to tell you it's about to rain in Greenwood. Come on, somebody, and give God praise tonight. So let me give you this little chart here, and you can see kind of a breakdown of the biblical holidays and how they speak to us prophetically. Passover speaks of the Jesus' death. He was the Passover lamb. First fruits came three days after Passover began. That's when he was resurrected. The Bible said he's the first fruits from the dead. And during this time, we have his burial, which is unleavened bread. And then we go 50 days and we come to Pentecost. And that speaks prophetically of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is where we're at tonight. We're still in this season of Pentecost going back to Acts chapter 2. Because that was the beginning of the last days. When the Holy Spirit began to be poured out on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, in that upper room, that was the beginning, I believe, of the last days. You say, well, I thought we were in the last days. Well, we've been in them for a while. You say, well, how could we be in the last days for 2,000 years? 
Well, the Bible said that a thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years with the Lord. It was just two days ago that he began the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In his time, 2,000 years for us, and I believe this is where we're at. We're still in that period right there between Pentecost and trumpets. Here we come to the fall holidays. This is Rosh Hashanah. It's the Feast of the Trumpets. That speaks to us of the rapture of the church. The next event on God's timetable is the catching away of the body of Christ. That's when he comes for his saints. He's going to come. He won't touch down on the earth. He'll come. There'll be a shout. That shout will wake up the dead. The trump of God will sound. Feast of trumpets, the trumpet of God. You see the parallel? And that's when we will be caught up to be with the Lord. And that brings the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is, represents the seven-year tribulation. These have not been fulfilled. These feasts have been fulfilled, but these are yet to be fulfilled. But we come to tabernacles. That's the millennial reign. That's when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom on this earth. So you see, in this, the timeline of God is outlined in these seven feasts. I believe that the feasts of the Lord have the following meanings. Number one, they have a historical meaning. They keep these feasts. It's a historical thing. They have a prophetic meaning. We just talked about that, what they prophetically speak to us about. But they also have a contemporary meaning. That means that the feast of the Lord speak to us today. All of these are beautiful types of the person and the work of Christ, our Messiah. Passover represents Israel's deliverance from Egypt, our salvation, and it is a prophetic picture of Jesus, our Passover lamb. Unleavened bread represents separation and sanctification. I still believe in sanctification. I believe it's a definite work of grace. Third, first fruit speaks of resurrection. Pentecost is a shadow of Acts chapter 2 and a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then we come to the fall feast. You have Rosh Hashanah. going to talk about that tonight because we just finished that on the 16th of September. And that's next on our calendar is Yom Kippur. And then we will have Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacle or Booth. So Rosh Hashanah is the first of the fall feast. It's recorded in Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse 23. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month. Now you say, wait a minute. How can this be the beginning of the new year if it's in the seventh month? God counts his calendar not from this month, which is the Jewish month of Tishrei. He counts his calendar from Passover. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Here's what he said. In the seventh month, why seven? Seven's the number of divine completion and perfection. On the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, the Jewish people observe two different calendars. They have the civil calendar, 
It begins in Tishrei, which comes in our September, October, and they begin it with Rosh Hashanah. The religious calendar begins in Nisan. So this is the civil calendar. Many Jewish scholars believe that Rosh Hashanah commemorates the creation of the world. They believe the world was created on Rosh Hashanah now. But the religious calendar begins in Nisan, which is our March and April, with Passover. And one source I read said this. At one time, Abraham and his two descendants had only one calendar, and the one we call the civil calendar, beginning in Tishrei, which is September or October, it's the fall, and the calendar changed when God instituted the first Passover, which comes in the month of Aviv, which means spring, or Nisan, which is our March or Abel. After the first Passover, the religious calendar is used to compute dates throughout the Bible. So when you see the seventh month, the seventh month is the month of Tishrei in the fall, counting from Nisan. Now, y'all can remember Nisan. So what happened? Passover comes in Nisan, the first month on the religious calendar, the seventh month on the civil calendar. Rosh Hashanah comes in Tishrei, the seventh month on the religious calendar, and the first month on the civil calendar. Is anybody confused? So there's an interesting spiritual application to the two calendars. The earth has a physical birthday. That's on Tishrei 1. Israel has a spiritual birthday. That would be Nisan 1 or Passover. And those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we experience a new birth, a new beginning, their, their days. Therefore, we have two birthdays, a physical birthday, which we're all trying to forget and all trying to deny. And then we have a spiritual birthday when we were born again. We have a physical birthday and a spiritual birthday. Now, Rosh Hashanah. Let's talk about it for a minute. The word Rosh means head. The prefix ha means the. The word shana means year. Therefore, head of the year. This day is also called Yom Teruah, which means the day of trumpets. Because it's the day that the trumpets are sounded. And it begins what we call, said it earlier, the high holy days, the ten days of all. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement, are called the high holy days. The 10 days of all start on Rosh Hashanah and culminate on the Day of Atonement. Now, Rosh Hashanah begins the 10 days of all, the 10 days until Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which are for introspection, repentance, and making amends with others. Now, this is tradition. I've often told young preachers, they say, well, what if I have an opinion? I said, it's all right to have an opinion. But when you preach your opinion, tell people, this is my opinion. Don't preach it as if it's the Word of God. Stick to the Word. If you have an opinion, if you believe something from that, tell people, this is my opinion. If it's tradition, tell them, this is what tradition says. Therefore, we can decide for ourselves. Tradition says, turn to your neighbor and say, tradition says, that on Yom Kippur, our fate for the next year will be decided. And those who will live through the year will have their name inscribed in God's book of life. Now, my name's in the Lamb's book of life. What about you? And a traditional greeting is Lashana Tova. I was walking around Panama the other day saying, Lashana Tova, Lashana Tova. I just wanted them to think I knew more than English. Amen. <laughs> May your name be inscribed. May your name be inscribed. Rosh Hashanah focuses on the majesty and sovereignty of God 
to begin this time of repentance. The shofar blast wake us up to the need for repentance. It represents the beginning of a new season. And we enter into a new assignment for the upcoming year. Now the month leading up to this was Elul. And that's the month that the king was in the field. So Tishrei, this month, is a time to prepare for the harvest. There's that word harvest again. And harvest seasons come every year. If you don't believe me, go ask uh, Marcia. Has the nicest, most beautiful garden of anybody I know. Puts up pictures, and I think they could make a calendar out of that. Man, that's beautiful. But Tishrei is a time to prepare for the harvest. How do we do this? We spend the first 10 days in prayer and fasting. We cry out to God. We repent of our failures, our sins of omission. We spend time searching our own personal lives. And we prepare for awakening and visitation. All of these things that we talk about, this is nothing new under the sun. This isn't something we came up with as a movement or denomination or as a church. Man, this has been in the heart of God and in the blueprint of God's word throughout, for, throughout eternity. So during this time, we're preparing for an awakening. Now, there's a blowing of the trumpets. And the trumpet used for this purpose was the ram's horn or shofar. The shofar was used for the following. To announce the beginning of festivals, to muster troops, to warn of danger, to assemble the people in the midst of battles, and for coronation. The blowing of trumpets was a memorial of God's grace to Abraham when he substituted a ram to be sacrificed instead of his son Isaac in Genesis 22. This is the reason the ram's horn is blown on Rosh Hashanah. It is not only a memorial, but a prophecy. And it speaks prophetically of two very important events. Number one, the regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. In 70 AD, the Jewish people were spread throughout the whole Roman Empire, and there were hardly any of Jews that were left in what the world says is Palestine. That's not a scriptural term, and there's never been a nation of Palestine. And Palestinians are not Palestinians, they're Arabs. They were Arabs that were settled there throughout the years. And the land lay dormant. And it wasn't until World War I when Allen became into World War I and you had the Balfour Declaration that Jewish people started coming back to the land. Now, there had been some that had stayed throughout time, but not very many. And they began to come back. And when the Ottoman Empire ruled it, which was Turkey, when they ruled that area, it was full of swampland. The land didn't produce anything. Beth and I have been to Israel. They have three growing seasons in Israel. Every morning you get fresh fruit on your, your table for breakfast. They have what they call the date palms, the beautiful date palm trees. And they said that's what the Bible's talking about when it says this is a land that flows with milk and honey. They have apples. They have oranges. They, and the desert, the swamps were drained, and they bloom like a rose, just like the Bible said it would be. And this blowing of the trumpet says that Israel will be regathered into the land of Israel. What's, what's the focus on right now? Well, Netanyahu's in America right now. He's speaking at the United Nations, and he'll talk about Iran and not allowing Iran to have a nuclear weapon. Every day when you turn on the news, you hear something related to the Jewish people in Israel. The little state of Israel is barely, it, it would be just a little small state in the United States, just a small little area. I was amazed when I went to Israel at how small that it really is. I thought it was much bigger than that. I'd read the Bible, and I guess I pictured it in such a way. And I was just amazed at how, 
at how small that it really is. And it's, but God has regathered the Jewish people from around the world and brought them back to the land of Israel. But it also speaks to us of the rapture, the catching away of the church. We find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. Paul writes there and he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment at the trump of God. There'll be a shout that goes forth. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, again, he says, I show you a mystery. And he talks about how this mortality will put on immortality and will be changed. That is the rapture of the church. That is when the trumpet of God will sound forth. Now, where are we in this contemporary? Now, we talked about what Rosh Hashanah means historically, what it has meant prophetically. But what does it mean to us today? Well, we're in the year on the Hebrew calendar. And listen, you say, well, why is the Hebrew calendar important? Because that's the calendar that God uses. We use the Gregorian calendar. It was adapted from the Julian calendar. Okay, The Orthodox Church, you have the Roman Catholics, and then you have the Orthodox, such as the Ukrainian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox. They still use the Julian calendar. So when Beth and I were in Israel, I believe it was 2015 when we went to Israel. When we were in Israel, it was, we had just had Easter here. Matter of fact, I think we left after Easter to go. And they were having Orthodox Easter while we were there and Passover. Do you know Islam has its own calendar? And we have a calendar because we, we divorced ourselves as a church away from the scriptures, away from the old covenant. And a lot of our holidays really kind of correspond to the pagan holidays that were, were, were celebrated in that time when Constantine made Christianity the state religion. So what happened? Well, I might have been worshiping Mithraeus, and Constantine says, you've got to be a church. So we just pull up the sign and put down a sign that says, boom, we're the church. And we, we allowed a lot of that to come into the church. And I believe God's awakening this. He's been awakening in me for a while to go back and understand the scriptures and understand how God speaks. Now, I spent weeks, 12 weeks, teaching about numbers and what they mean in scripture. Okay? There's no power in numbers. You might go out here tonight. Who lives in 96? What's the last three digits of your zip code? 666. Okay. Now, people freak out about that. Hey, pre I can't live there. That's, that's the Antichrist. 29666. How do I remember that? I still struggle with my own. <laughs> we got three different zip codes, two different ones here, one for the post office box and one for the address, and then I have a different one. So I have to watch when I write my zip code to make sure I write the right one. But I can sure remember yours. But it's just a number. It don't mean anything. Because numbers have no power. It don't mean anything. But if you're seeing numbers continually, not looking for them, like I see 1111, saw it every day in Panama. I see it every time I drive to church on this sign down here. It's an address down here near the hospital. I don't count that because I see it every day and I know it's going to be there. But I do see it. Saw it last night. 
When I dropped off them guys in Thompson, Georgia, I looked at the clock. It was 11-11. I said, wow, there it is. Okay? And we talked about numbers, but numbers in and of themselves have no power. But God uses them as prophetic markers, just like he does the calendar. Okay? There's, there, there's no power just in the calendar alone. It's how God speaks to us prophetically through it. I want you to see that. You know, I'm not looking at every day saying, I wonder what day this is on the Hebrew calendar and what that means. But he uses that to speak to us. Now, when we look at the Jewish calendar, this is the year 5784 BCE, which means before the common era. It, we've entered a new era in 2020, which corresponded to the year 5780. We entered into the decade, the number 80. We entered into the decade of the Hebrew letter pay. 80 equals pay. It means to speak. If you go back in the ancient Hebrew and you look at the letter pay, beside it is a picture of a mouth. And it was used as a symbol. There's no numbers, no digits in the Hebrew language. They use letters. You remember having to learn Roman numerals? But you got Roman numerals. They used letters to form their numbers. Same within the Hebrew. This is 5784. Now, I see people break this thing down all kinds of ways. Five means grace, seven means completion, eight means new beginnings, and four represents creation. But if you go to the decade, I think 57 means the year of 84. Pay, dalet. Okay? So, think about the rapid change that we have seen since 2020. What happened in 2020? COVID. What did COVID do? Covered our mouth. Got a mask. Got to put that mask on. Got to cover your mouth. And think about the rapid change that's taken place just since 2020. Therefore, in this decade of pay, we've got to prophesy, declare, testify, and decree. Now, Friday, go to that next one, sir. Thank you. September the 16th, really September the 15th of sundown, began the new Hebrew year. 80 is the letter pay, P-E-Y, which means your mouth, your speech, your voice, or your sound. 4, 84, is Dalit, which means a door, a gate, or an entrance. I love Jane Hammond. She's a powerful prophetic voice. She says this is the year of voice-activated doors. How many of you have Siri? How many of you have Alexa in your house? Alexa, play the theme music to Bozo the Clown. Alexa, turn off the lights. It's what? It's voice activated. Voice activated. Now, 2018, we declared that the year of the door. Remember that? Had a door in the sanctuary. We went through the door. We knocked on the door. We nailed things on the door. We, we had a lot of preaching on the door. This is very different. This year is the year pay which means to declare, to prophesy, to speak, and we've got to decree at the door. Dalit, door, gate. Now let me say about this. You've heard me preach this. Gates speak of territory. When you see a gate, it represents a territory. When you see a door, that represents access, entrance. Matter of fact, there's seven things in the scripture that a door represents. We'll talk about that another time. When God wants to promote you, he opens the door. People say, well, God, close the door and open the window. Well, I hope he'll open another door. I'm too big to get through the window. Windows represent blessing. He said that he would open the windows of heaven and pour us out blessings. We'd not have room to contain. Windows, blessing. 
Door, promotion, access, entrance. Gate represents territory. Well, this letter describes a door, a gate, or an entrance. So God may speak to us differently in this season than he's spoken to us in the past. But I like what she said. She said this is the year of voice-activated doors. We've got to decree at the door. We've got to declare at the door. We've got to speak at the door. Your speech is very important. Now, I'm not preaching, you know, mind over matter and positive confession. You know, I've known people that they'd be choked up with a cold, coughing, and I don't have a cold, I don't have a cold, I don't have a... And I think, yes, you do. You got a cold. See, you speak faith, you speak the word over your problem. Bible says, by your words you're justified, by the words you're condemned. You're going to have what you say many times. So watch, watch over your words. Watch what you speak. This is my last slide. I read this concerning the new Hebrew year. It says, as we enter the Hebrew year 5784, the Lord is releasing long prophesied supernatural moves across the earth. Great changes are coming with new realms of creativity, new assignments, and new doors opening into destiny. This is not just a year of the door. This is a year to decree and speak and move through the year, door. So I'm believing God for big things this year. I've studied about doors and windows and gates so much and probably preached them so much that your eyes will gloss over when I start talking about them again. But the scripture is filled. And listen to me, we're at a gate right here. This church is a gate church. We sit on the south gate into the city. Whoever controls the gates controls the city. Read the scriptures. The battle's always at the gate. They try to breach the walls. They try to breach the gate. And if we can control the gate, you had gatekeepers. You had a watchman on the wall, but you had a gatekeeper. And when the watchman would see danger, he would shout to the gatekeeper, close the gate. Look at how the enemy has fought us through the years in different ways because of the strategic location that we have as a gate. 